It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring, Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right. We are back. It is season two. My name is Jamie Dew. I am host and curator here at the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Before entering the hall, I ask you all to please wipe your feet. This is, uh, after all, a very sacred place. We have an initial class, the class of 2022. And here we are in season two, getting ready to put together the class of 2023. It's this easy. Every week you tune in to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast and you'll hear a guest. In today's case, you'll hear Kirsten Turnbull and she'll be nominating Bill Hader at the end of the season when all 30 nominees have been nominated (laughs) we will open the voting and you can get your hands dirty because we want you to vote for your favorites vote early vote often Uh, register to vote on any of the links that you see coming out on our socials this way you'll get a reminder when it's time to vote and everything will just be ducky So we've got some changes going on around here. Thomas Senna has been introduced to the masses at this point in the special preview episode. Uh, I think you're going to love the conversations that he puts together. I know that I've really enjoyed what I've heard so far, and uh, uh, I think that you'll enjoy it quite uh, quite as well. Uh, The other new feature is at the end of every episode, we'll be playing the nominee sketch. Uh, or segment, uh, a segment that uh, our guest has chosen to play. So stick around post-conversation and uh, check that out. But now we're going to slide into something entirely new. This is Matt's Minutia Minute featuring local Toronto stand-up comedian Matthew Ardill. Matt Ardill. Uh, We're calling him Matt uh, he is hosting something called Matt's Minutia Minute, and he'll be doing that each and every week. So look forward to that. It's not going to be strictly about minutia, nor will it be uh, a minute long, but uh, I love alliteration. So Matt's Minutia Minute, <laughs> it is. Hey, Matt, what are you saying? Hey, Jamie, thanks for thanks for having me on the show today to talk about Bill Hader, you know, one of the greatest impersonators to grace the stages of Saturday Night Live. It, it's absolutely my pleasure to have you here and to know that you'll be here every week uh, with, with some um, valuable insight and, and content on that week's nominee. Well, there's so many great nominees this, this season. I'm really looking forward to being able to dig out some of the stuff that maybe they didn't make it into uh, the conversations uh, that uh, are, are that people might want to consider when they uh, when they're they're casting their votes. Absolutely. So, like you said, Bill Hader, what yeah. you got? Well, uh, he uh, this he's six foot one. Born June 7th in 1978, eldest of three. It doesn't really matter, but it's nice to know. Uh, he His first season was 2005, season 31. Terrific season. Uh, had Tina Fey, Will Forte, Daryl Hammond, Amy Poehler, Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph. So right, right there, already, that's like an incredible cast of impersonators with great, great characters. On top of that, he had Kristen Wiig, Jason Sudeikis, and Andy Samberg joining him as featured players that year. Holy. So, yeah, like three three more powerhouses in addition to himself uh, joining the cast. So it's it was pretty is a pretty prestigious group that he worked with. Um, ah. Yeah, 
Now, now he lasted eight seasons. He he outlasted the seven year contract, um, uh, but uh, decided after season eight that he was going to call it a call it quits. Uh, but he uh, he has recorded eight hundred and five sketches, so he's got seventh overall after. I was just going to ask, Kate where does that where does that rank? Yeah, seventh after after Kate. So uh, that's it's a, a lot of sketches. I mean, nobody's ever going to touch Keenan uh, at this point. I guess not. <laughs> but but yeah yeah. So uh, it, it is. I mean, personally, I've got like I love like his impersonations, like his Vincent Price and his Alan Alda, which probably speaks to my age a bit. Um, and I mean, everybody loves Stefan, uh, but it's, uh, he brings a lot to the table. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation that Thomas has with Kirsten Turnbull today. And uh, what do you say we get right to that? Sounds great. So with Bill Hader, I wanted to start off uh, maybe a little differently with, than with a lot of episodes and maybe briefly kind of touch on his his journey to SNL because I think it's actually a kind of a unique thing compared to other cast members. So, you know, he worked in movie production and on movie sets and stuff. But in March of 2003, he took classes at Second City in LA. So yeah, so we'll keep that in mind, March of 2003. I don't know if you knew, um, through your research, he formed a comedy group, Animals from the Future, with three friends, uh, one of whom was Matt Offerman. And if that last name sounds familiar, it's because that's Nick Offerman's brother, uh, Matt Offerman. So Megan Mullally, who's married to Nick Offerman, went and saw the group perform. And then to Bill Hader's luck and talent, but a lot of luck, she talked to Lorne Michaels about Bill Hader not long after seeing them perform. And then Hader was kind of on the fast track to <laughs> to audition for the show. And so we said, you know, March 2003 was when he started taking classes at Second City. October 1st, 2005, he's on SNL. Have you ever heard anything like that? That is a fast track. And it really validates the anxiety he had around being on the show for so many years, a lot of imposter syndrome, which is all in his head. And I love that at one point, Lauren said to him, you're not going anywhere. You always have a job here. Like you can relax now because he just needed to hear that to really feel like he belonged because he had to have felt like people had sweat through years and years of training and auditioned multiple times. And he really did get a red carpet. Deservedly so. Yeah, deservedly so. But, you, you know, that I'm sure, you know, when he got on the show, he probably he may have looked at a lot of these other cast members and known that they spent years in improv and everything. So maybe that's where a lot of that imposter syndrome uh, comes from. And I think a lot of creative types kind of have that imposter syndrome as well. So do you remember, um, I don't know where you were as far as watching the show uh, in 2005, but do you remember when Bill Hader first started making an impression on you? I think it was probably, I remember Vincent Price, like knowing that he was a great impressionist. That was one of my first memories. Greetings, weary travelers. My name is Vincent Price. Tonight I offer you passage into the darkest recesses of the supernatural. And then Laser Cats. Oh, yes. Laser Cats, I distinctly remember. So that definitely made an impression. So those are my first two. It's just, okay, he's great at impressions and and Laser Cats, because that was so wacky and bizarre. And it introduced both him and Andy Sandberg to the masses in this really fun way. Yeah. So uh, Vincent Price was actually relatively early on in his tenure. It was the sixth episode of his first season. And those sketches were just, you know, we talk about current SNL and there's almost like an impression parade type of sketch. And and those Vincent Price sketches were definite impression parades. And, you know, 
know, just, you know, compared to other impressionists um, before him and maybe even during and after, you know, where would you rank or how to, how, how in high regard do you hold Bill Hader just as far as an impressionist goes um, in SNL Master lore? Master impressionist. Mm-hmm. Master. Uh, you've got a Phil Hartman. You've got, um, oh goodness, what's his name? He was on the show for decades. There was Dana Carvey, who's an amazing yep. impressionist. Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond, thank yes. you. Daryl Hammond, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Sorry, Daryl Hammond. I think of <laughs> their ability to do impressions, but I think the range on Bill Hader is huge. He uses his face, his forehead, his eyebrows, like he can contort almost a little bit Jim Carrey-like without the manic side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I consider him a master. So he's top, top of the pack for me when it comes to impressions. How about you? Yeah, I think, you know, we had mentioned Dana Carvey and Daryl Hammond. Bill Hader is probably on that Mount Rushmore of impressionists and you know, I don't know about you, but what I look for in a good impressionist is not only, you know, it's fine if they sound and look like the person, but there has to be a comedic uh, viewpoint. They have to say something funny with the impression. And Bill Hader reminded me a little bit maybe of a Dana Carvey in that, you know, he, he did sound like a lot like, well, for example, you brought up Vincent Price mm-hmm. and he did sound a lot like Vincent Price, but there was just that little bit of cartoon that he threw into that impression and he found a comedic slant uh, with that. Vincent Price was kind of the, you know, he was he, he had a lot of nervous energy with Vincent Price kind of trying to wrangle in all of these Catherine Hepburn and Liberace and all these people who, who came on the show. So, that's the comedic angle that I think Bill Hader found Vincent Price. I did, maybe you noticed that with other uh, uh, his, some of his other impressions. Yeah, you, you raise an interesting point because I do think, yes, he gets the voices down. He gets the the mannerisms and the facial tics and all those things, but he doesn't body them. And he, I wonder if it's because he's, he's so darn good at it that he doesn't have to overthink in the moment how it's coming off where other people, I know if I tried to do impression, I would agonize over every moment of it. Oh, yeah, where he, is, he gets to sit in a little more comfort knowing that he's, he's really kind of nailing that part. So he gets to let loose a little bit and have some fun with it and think about the motivation of that character that he's impersonating and what they might say and really live in it a little bit, uh, which is more of an actor's skill, really. Yeah, no, he's, and we, we've seen uh, his, his acting skills over the years uh, with Barry uh, on HBO. And um, so it's not a surprise, uh, given what you said, that he's doing a great job acting on Barry, um, given his traits that you had mentioned uh, as an impressionist. And I think that's a good point you brought up about how he's so in command of his craft that he's able just to like, you know, I have that part down. I can mimic the person. So check, you know, he checked that box. So then now I can live in this space and actually create something funny uh, out of it. You're, I think you nailed it as far as, uh, as far as what a great impressionist he is. Of course, Al Pacino, he did Peter O'Toole, Willem Dafoe. Like I think he was Chris their go-to Walken. guy. Alan Alda. Yes. Alan Alda. Yeah. yeah. Who has? I mean, you would think about it. Like I've never really heard somebody do an Alan Alda impression, but yeah. a lot of people should have Alan Alda impressions because he's distinct. But Bill Hader just nails it. He completely nails it. But I think it was Alan Alda. He did in maybe the uh, like Jurassic Park auditions. Right. I don't yes. know if you remember that. Yes. yes, yes you remember yes, this. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it was Alan yeah. Alda, you know, he, he got the, he got the point of view of Alan Alda was like asking questions about the movie and c- kind of complimenting being like kind of a nice guy, kind of complimenting like, Oh, this sounds like a great movie or whatever. So it's not just that Bill sounded like Alan Alda. He created a whole persona that was probably on screen for like 15, 20 seconds, but you still felt like Bill really created something there. That's right. That's right. James Carville. Oh, John gosh. Malkovich. Oh, when yeah. Malkovich to Malkovich as um, his Italian host. Vinny Vedecci. Vinny Vedecci. Yes, yes. Yes. Which you had, you had mentioned previously, like that, that first appearance wasn't a talk show. And I don't remember that. So tell me about that. Cause I don't remember that part. It was just a sketch. Like, um, 
I for, even forget what the sketch was about, but Vinny Vedecci was actually just a character in a sketch, much like somebody who we'll talk about, I'm sure, in this podcast who who appeared on Weekend Update, but he actually appeared in the sketch first. Um, yeah, Vinny Vedecci was just some character, um, just in a sketch, and I think probably Bill Bill's comedic, comedic instincts were on point, and he decided to turn Vinny Vedecci into a talk show. Mm-hmm. And that talk show format was just perfect for that. But uh, that, that was one wonderful maybe like my favorite Vinny Vedecci sketch was with John Malkovich yeah being John Malkovich yes <laughs> Malkovich 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 <laughs> yes that's from the film I can be John Malkovich I'm sorry hello my name is John Malkovich <laughs> I don't sound anything like that no no you sound exactly like this <laughs> No, I don't. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, no, yes, yes. Yeah, that that was amazing. And um, you had mentioned laser cats, and that's something that I had t- taken note of too. Um, what what about laser cats uh, did you enjoy? And you know, specifically Bill in laser cats. I think when I reflect back on it, it was. One of the th- it it talks to one of the things that I really enjoy about watching him on screen is that he appears to me to be a great collaborator. We know he's got some writing skills, he's got some kind of behind the scenes skills, but he comes across as someone who's in service of the sketch and not looking for the spotlight. And so, seeing him and Andy work together uh, and seeing the cohesion among the cast members certainly at that time. Uh, there was a very equal footing where they were all contributing so much to the scenes and sketches they were doing. So I thought of that as a real, what looked like a true friendship on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, So it became very believable in what they were doing. Um, And the other, my other takeaway would be just this real genuine love for appearing silly and having no ego or, you know, about that and and the humility that comes with signing up to do something silly, like shoot lasers out of cat's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I imagine uh, uh, Andy's pitch to Bill that I I have this idea and I want you to be a part of it and here's what it is. And, and Bill, Bill, you know, he probably, I'm sure he understood Andy's comedic sensibility right away. I think they, they, Came on the same season. They did. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So they. uh, It's nice to see two cast members come in at the same time and kind of form that partnership. It's almost strength in numbers because that's a that can be an intimidating environment there behind the scenes. Yeah. And that partnership then you know moved into a writing partnership with everyone who knows my fave is John Mulaney, Mm -hmm. and so those kind of alliances that he made on that show have really served him well in several ways when it comes to producing great content. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, you know, part of surviving on the show. Uh, if you're a cast member is that forming maybe alliances, I guess, I guess you know, given the environment alliances might, might actually be an yeah. appropriate word. <laughs> partnerships will be, will be nice and call them partnerships. Yeah. Just finding a partnership uh, uh, with a writer. You're exactly right. And definitely he and he and John Mulaney um, seem to have a really special bond uh, mm-hmm. there um, for sure. So I think I want to ask you, uh, I'm sure this, you know, Let's talk about Stefan. I think you brought up John Mulaney. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably a good uh, point in the conversation to bring up Stefan. I assume you're a Stefan fan? Yes. Absolutely. Stefan was when we wanted to see someone break. Mm-hmm. Before it would happen and it would be perhaps funny or, you know, depending on how often someone did it, but we were waiting for him to break. It became part of the bit Mm -hmm. that we knew something really inane and silly was going to come out of his mouth and that it may also be a surprise to him. Although I don't know that we knew that at the time, but it certainly appeared that way that he couldn't even contain his own laughter at reading those lines. Um, So that, yeah, it was one of the, 
I, don't, I can't think of another time when I, I knew that something funny was going to happen and he did too. And we were waiting for him to read the lines and waiting for it to happen. And we wanted him to break. Yeah, exactly. And and the, and the thing about breaking in these Stefan sketches, or not sketches, this weekend update appearances, was that that was part of the game of the sketch. Mm-hmm. That was the part of the, the game of the character is, you know, he's this club kid who gives inappropriate advice to families visiting New York City and New York's hottest club. And so that's the game of it is filling in those numbers of what's at New York's hottest club. Um, but also the breaking aspect, you know, it became okay as an audience member um, that that they were breaking. And Lorne Michaels famously doesn't like breaking. But right, right. Yeah, yeah. He says, I mean, I've heard cast members, Kate McKinnon, uh, I've heard recently do an interview saying that like Lorne hates breaking and everything like that. So um, I think it was, I have a feeling Lorne was okay with this kind of breaking because it was I actually think so too. part of the game of the sketch uh, for sure. So um, I th- what I noticed with these Stefan sketches is. At first, maybe the first sketch or the first weekend update appearance from Stefan, the audience, you know, the first few jokes, they were kind of like, I can kind of feel it in the room, like, well, what is this? What is this? But by the end of the first appearance and definitely into the second and third, you can kind of feel that momentum. Mm -hmm. People, audiences started getting Stefan uh, right away. Do you remember watching those um, in the moment? Maybe kind of how you felt about it when you first saw it? Yeah, absolutely. You see so many characters tried on Weekend Update. And so you wait to see if they're going to land or not. Absolutely. And when you think about how Stefan's story ended, it's a perfect example of how much love the audience had for him and that we were cheering for a wedding for him. (laughs) He really really connected with, with people. And but yes, it. I think they. I don't even know that they were sure that that's how much they would lean into the breaking part of it and the absurdity of what they were saying. I think that was probably kind of funny and like, okay, that's you know fun writing. But then when they realized that that there was a bit of magic there, they just went overboard with it in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, are there any are there any moments uh, d- during Stefan's weekend update appearances that maybe like stand out to you i know i have a couple things just have been rattling in my head for the last decade um but but what about you oh my goodness i i i i just laugh the whole time i don't know please tell me which ones you have so i can laugh at them again so there is this one so there is this line that's been it was it was season 38 so it was was like 10 years ago (laughs) There's a special guest. Have you heard of Blackula, the Black Dracula? Yes. Well, they have a Jewish Dracula. Oh, what's his name? Sidney Applebaum. Sidney Applebaum? Jewish. Jewish Dracula. Sidney Applebaum. And that just joke construction of like misdirection or whatever, whatever comedic term that is, has just been rattling in my brain for almost 10 years. Every now and then mm-hmm. I'll just be like zoning out and I'll think of Stefan talking about the Jewish Dracula and how his name was Sidney Applebaum. And yeah, just that, that, that joke construction and how it was, you know, we talk about Bill's delivery of those lines and his interplay with Seth, like something like that has just, just takes up residency uh, in my head, like probably permanently. Yeah, I do remember the way that he put his hands in front of his face, that became a thing. I remember you could just make that motion to your friends and everyone knew at that time that you were imitating Stefan. That became very much a visual cue of kind of like this character. Um, And he was quite literally trying to stifle his own laughter (laughs) when it first started. But I remember doing that with friends and we would know that that's who you were talking about. Um, a lot of the jokes were um, made at the expense of um, diminutive folks. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to repeat them, but right. 
There was some funny stuff. There really was some great writing there. I could hear John Mulaney's voice through it all, the, the nuances of New York City and having grown up there and all those little details. That, that rang clear for me. He's really taking you to the underbelly uh, of the city r- right there. Yeah, I love it. There's also just random things like a, a, a just an out-of-the-blue Wilford Brimley impression. So come on down this weekend. The bouncer is a bulldog who looks like Wilford Brimley, and the password is diabetes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that he did in, in one of the sketches. Um there was the the Derek Zoolander when Ben Stiller um, appeared with him, and he played Derek Zoolander. So there's just so many so many memorable moments, and that came from you know you said that partnership between Bill and John Mulaney, and we got to credit you know Bill's comedic genius. Honestly, it's genius. He makes it look easy, but that's the kind of genius part of it is how easy he makes it look so much. Yeah. Oh, Stefan, down in history for sure. Yeah, one of my favorites. I started seeing people dress up as uh, for Stefan as Stefan for Halloween. Like that's when you know early you on. Absolutely, I think it maybe only took a handful of appearances on Weekend Update for for people to start um, dressing up as Stefan for Halloween. You're you're right. That that's how you know you made it. So yeah, con- yeah, definitely. Congratulations, Bill. So um, I wanted to kind of delve in a little bit to. Um, another thing that reminds me of his partnership with John Mulaney. And I wanted to sp- kind of spring a, a, a little uh, a little game on you, a kind of a little trivia game. So okay. don't feel pressure. It's okay. okay. It's okay. But we're going to do a little trivia game here. Um, you've played Two Truths and a Lie. I'm sure you do you know what that game is. Uh, yes, long time ago. Okay. So we're going to do Two Truths and a Lie. So I'm going to okay. name... Three things. Um, it's involving game shows that Bill Hader hosted on okay. on SNL. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to name three titles of game shows, two of which are true and okay. one of which is not the actual title of a game show. So Got it. Hit me. All right. So the first one is Who's on Top? Okay. All right. Second one is Why Are You Like This? Mm-hmm. And the third one is What's Wrong with Tanya? Which one of those is not a game show that Bill? What's Hader wrong with Tanya is a fantastic sketch. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yes. They you want to explain it to every yes. lifetime trope possible. Visually, the way that the characters are dressed, this the catchphrases, the melodrama. Oh, I love that one. So I know that it's. I know that one's true. That one's true. Yeah. Bill Hader did host a game show called What's Wrong with Tanya. Why are you like on this and who's on top? And who's on top. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm i going to guess that Why Are You Like This is true. Who's on top is actually the one, the other oh. one. That's true. That was with... Um, uh, they would name kind of like I guess two two male celebrities, and then, then they would figure out like if they oh, if they made yes. love, who's on top. Yes, yes. So yes. so that was that was one. Why are you like this? Is one that I created. <laughs> that, well, that I can, funny. There you that go. I could, <laughs> that I could picture Bill actually hosting. So um, Bill was a, a consummate game show host on the show, and yes. with as many game show sketches as the the show tends to do, which is understandable. It's an easy kind of vehicle for. Uh, for comedy and Keenan is probably the game show, uh, the kind of current game show host. Um, but Bill was just the best game show host. I agree. He's number era. one for me. Yeah. He's number one for me in terms of game show hosts. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my favorites was What's That Name? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, you want to talk about What's That Name? Yeah, What's That Name? I also just love that it was so darn true. It was mm-hmm. it it revealed something about all of us that we are absolutely horrible at and should be ashamed of. I'm generalizing clearly, but you oh, know, no, yes, I, I can name I don't watch the Kardashians, but I could name them, but I don't know all my neighbors. I don't <laughs> you know, it's my I know people by their dogs' names. It's embarrassing and horrible. And it it played right into that in a really fun way and it was incredibly well written that is one of the best versions of a game show for me on on snl 
yeah, it might be it might be my favorite or probably like the Mount Rushmore of game shows on SNL. Um, just the whole, you know, the, how sadistic that Bill was mm-hmm. as the game show host in that. And I think uh, in in one appearance, you know, John Mulaney asked, like, why do you do this? And he's just so like confused and uh, and everything. And, 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 and Bill's just you know, just this, he gets, he's just getting pleasure out of, out of embarrassing and kind of almost torturing the, these poor people who can't remember names. Yeah. Just, just, just amazing. It's such a funny commentary too. Like when there are so many ridiculous game shows out there and people really do sign up to be embarrassed so much of the time we get to see people get hit by things and knocked over. And, and so I do like that it's, it's commenting on just how much people are willing for a moment of television fame or, you know, a few dollars if they win to embarrass the heck out of themselves and, and be that shamed on television. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And Bill's just the perfect person to to highlight that yep. i think he also did dylan mcdermott or dermot mulroney mm-hmm. um which i still have trouble with to this day i would have i would have not won <laughs> that that game show and bill mm-hmm. would have shamed me for it <laughs> um, and speaking of shows yes can i bring up one of our favorite tv show hosts Please. that he does keith morrison keith morrison from dateline yes yeah what was it about keith morrison <laughs> or his his impression of There's Keith Morrison. Very distinct voice, which he nails. Very distinct voice. But similarly, someone who gets a little too excited about the tragic circumstances that are being, you know, just, uh, explained by the guests on, on the Dateline show. I looked for him for weeks and weeks. Finally, the police called me and they, they found his car. What did they find when they opened up the trunk of that car? It was my boyfriend's body. Oh, my. Was he all right? No, uh, he, he was dead. Oh, no. I remember at one point thinking, Keith Morrison in real life is not. Like, like how much is he exaggerating Keith Morrison's overzealous interest at times he's really not keith morrison does get pretty excited oh like it it Mm -hmm. does happen (laughs) um but then he grabs the popcorn and he wants all the gory details listen i'm a a true crime podcast listener with the best of them and so that's definitely playing into our morbid curiosity to to slow down for the car crash um so i i like that he he leans into that but it is the voice that he nails on that one for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and, and you mentioned that he found a comedic angle to that impression mm-hmm. too, because Bill, I think Bill understands that you need that comedic hook. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I, lo- I love when he would play Keith Morrison on SNL. <laughs> and you had talked about earlier about, about Bill's, the way he uses his face uh, mm. uh, during, during sketches and when he's performing and a great example, I think, of that um, is the the game time sketches when he played the Greg the Alien, <laughs> yeah, who's yeah, not supposed it. to be an alien, yeah. and just the way he would he would say things and then kind of like turn his face side, sideways and look at the camera. Just that, like, so much of that was just facial acting, and he mm-hmm. found this creepy alien voice, and I I, I don't know. If who who I actually don't know who wrote those sketches, but but if it wasn't Bill, I think Bill was first in line as far as who they had in mind to play Greg the Alien, and that that that's that's one of I think one of the more underrated SNL sketches probably of like the last you know of this era, and of course Bill uh, is like the main part of it. I agree. I don't know who else I could see playing that with the same level of skill. It would look, it would feel silly, but he, he made it feel very real. Yeah. Cause he does, he does sound effects too. He doesn't mm-hmm. just do voices. He just does these like subtle sound effects and body movements. Mm-hmm. And I've never, this is going to reveal a lot about me. I've never seen an alien in person. 
<laughs> but if I did, I think Bill's ren- version of an alien uh, it seems realistic. Right. <laughs> he made me believe that he was an actually actually an alien in a realistic way. So, uh, yeah, him playing Greg and game time with him. We actually in one of the sketches we saw other cast members and a few writers and John Hamm actually try to be Greg a little bit when when it was found out that Greg can like um, turn other people into aliens and then they can duplicate. So there was one point where Bill Hader was there as Greg. John Hamm was sitting next to him as like another Greg. And then there was like all these Gregs that popped up behind them. And I, and I just tried to notice their facial expressions. Sudeikis did a decent job of it, but Bill Hader is just like the master, just the way he contorts himself um, just to slide into a character uh, uh, is so wonderful. Um, is, is there anything else that, uh, um, that jumps out at you? Yeah. When we're, th- when we're thinking of characters that aren't, uh, actual people, I think of the cat in the hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> if you remember, <laughs> he's in the cat in the hat, he's talking to the kids, the mom, Cecily Strong comes home and he breaks character and, you know, Linda. And all of a sudden it's this Mrs. Doubtfire kind of situation where they have a very real conversation about their failing marriage. Meanwhile, he's in this hat in the hat or not even the marriage, but he's like, I think he wants her to leave her husband or something. And so funny. And uh, yeah, taking a character like that, that's not real and uh, having some fun with it. Or, you know, the faces that he makes as LeVar, the uh, the coal mining gossip, the gossip yeah. coal miner. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just so silly. But A, approaches them with a lot of conviction and then uses that elastic face to create these really fun and bizarre and unique characters. Yes, he has a face with elasticity. That's, that, that's a huge compliment, especially when you're yeah. working like in the visual medium like SNL. And yeah, I can't think of many cast members who who could use their their face to, to to such degree like that where they can they, they can garner uh, that type of reaction from viewers mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. for sure um one of the things that one of my all-time favorite sketches <laughs> and it, it's interesting because we're talking about bill Hader's hall of Fa- snl hall of fame candidacy and this is one of my all-time favorite sketches but it might not be my favorite bill Hader sketch it's the puppet class I have this on my list with so many circles around it. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, what did you What did you like about the puppet class? Guys? Anthony Peter Coleman. Yes. Like I just have to sigh for a moment because I I remember first seeing it and every every single time I've watched any of those since, I laugh just as hard. It's so dark and strange, and. I, I look at I'm a lot I'm at a loss for words. I absolutely love that character and that sketch. And I recently watched the one with um, Family Guy guy. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane. Thank you, Seth yeah. MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. And every character on that one nailed it. Keenan nailed it as the like, ooh, ooh, can I try again? That guy. And then um And it was also Vanessa Bear. Thank who, you. Who Vanessa was Bear other. was yep, she was in there. But oh, Oh my gosh! You'll have you, yes. What do you think? Because that is one of my favorites. I have it circled so many times here, and I I have no words. I just love it so much. Yeah, I love it so much too. And it's Bill's Bill's commitment to the bit, mm-hmm. and um, it reminded me like I don't I don't know that we saw Bill break very much other than Stefan, because if there was a sketch to break in, that 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 could have been it. And uh, I mean, Keenan didn't break, Vanessa didn't break, Seth MacFarlane didn't break, like everybody just held it together. And Bill, I don't know, there was like jokes that were kind of bait and switch in that too. And Bill's timing made it when he, uh, when he, when he changed characters that like Seth MacFarlane's character told them to change their personas of their puppets. Anthony, do you, do you want to try a completely different character for Tony? Okay. I like texting. Shop till you drop. Da 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 da. Charge it. Okay, that, that's kind of Bonnie's character, though, isn't it? You maybe want to try something else? All right. 
I'm Clark, and I like biscuits and waffles. That's, that's great. Tell us more about Clark. He was another grunt in my platoon. He just goes back into his old military persona and starts talking to, talk, talk, telling a really dark story uh, involving Clark. And it's kind of that bait and switch, and you need perfect timing to get a joke like that uh, down. And I think, I think Bill uh, definitely accomplished that. That, that's I, such... I don't know how he didn't break. I yeah. do not know how he didn't break in that one. Let's see. He broke in Stefan. I've seen him break a couple times on the Californians. That's right. Because mm-hmm. that was so silly. That was just, um, yeah, that's the silliest thing. Yeah. And I did, he did break when he, when he dumped the slushy over Kristen Wiig's head and then the colander when they were doing Hollywood Dish. But yeah. I do not know how he didn't break during Anthony Peter Coleman. And if anyone who's listening has not seen those, go watch them all immediately and enjoy the brilliance of that character and those sketches. Yeah, that that's one. If I, if you know, if we were to walk into the SNL Hall of Fame and there's like a highlight reel playing of Bill Hader, um, I think the puppet class would be definitely predominant. Like Dom mm-hmm. would, would would take up a huge place in, in yeah. that highlight reel. Uh, for sure. Um, he tried to make people break uh, when he played Herb Welch. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think that was him, you know, trying to just mess with his his, his scene partner and <laughs> and try to make people break with that. Definitely. Yeah, that was a good one, too. That one was really enjoyable because it was just kind of harmless fun. You know, this kind of doddering old gent who would, you know, obviously hit people in the face or what have you with his giant foam microphone cover. Um, and then the, the acoustics of that hitting the audio, like there were a lot of funny elements in that. And I recall that he would sometimes hit someone and he would keep going. Like, you'd know that he felt like it was right to just, again, trying to break them, but that the moment made it that much more ridiculous that he would keep, bonking them on the head with it. Um, yes, that was a memorable character also. <laughs> There's, are there any other sketches or characters before before we head on out that, that we kind of have to talk about as far as Bill Hader goes? One of my favorites is A Cut for Time. Oh. And it was The Allen. Okay, you might have to explain that one to me. Oh. So Vanessa Bear and, and uh, Taryn Klum are a couple. They come home from a date. In their living room is a giant, giant wrapped box, human-sized box, huge. And they unwrap it, and it looks almost like a Ken doll is in there. And there's a manual, and it's for something called the Allen. And it's just there for your enjoyment. And it's it's almost like you can have a remote control. Okay. And he's got this ridiculous song that he kind of dances to, and he makes ridiculous facial expressions like, oh, shucks. Oh, yeah. And... There are actually funny compilations online of that as a meme where his him dancing actually works well with any song. Okay. So that's a fun one to look at. But the Allen, sometimes cut for times are so brilliant and I'm glad they share them with us because otherwise they'd be lost and they're 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 great sketches. But the Allen I go to frequently just because it's it's so silly and ridiculous. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna. I need to brush up more on my cut for time, uh, <laughs> SNL mm-hmm. fandom. There, that that yeah, that that could be a blind spot for a lot of people. So that yeah, thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that up. And the way he, uh, I think what you described in that sketch, like his body movements and everything, that reminded me of another one that I highlighted uh, real quick was the Maryville trolley ride. Yes. If you remember that, that's him to yes. kill him. And then I think Jim Carrey and Bruno Mars. Jim Carrey yep. was in one sketch with him and Bruno Mars was in another. But Taron, by the way, this episode's not about Taron Killam, but props to Taron Killam for his for his uh um acting in that sketch too. But the the way Bill just moved like an animatronic yes. <laughs> sort of person is just like it was it's a it's a sight to behold for me to watch people who can just have such command of their their bodies that way. And yeah, that, and the, the, the look those, in his eyes and that kind of stare that he had. Yeah, that I love that one too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what is your final case for Bill Hader? Like, why should Bill Hader be in the SNL Hall of Fame? 
He is, as I've mentioned, a master impressionist, top of the pack, maybe even the top. He is utterly reliable as a scene partner, as a performer, as a member of that cast, and a chameleon. We've seen him as every TV host. We've seen him as, you know, choked up dad. We've seen him as, you know, a... um, realizing he's possibly gay fireman uh vincent price and all of these other characters colonel nasty like like this runs such a gamut when it comes to characters so he definitely gets chameleon reliability and and master impressionist which to me is the perfect recipe for someone on snl that that's well said. Almost like he was created to be a cast member on mm-hmm. SNL. In Interesting. A way. Yes. Yeah. That that's awesome. Well, uh, Kirsten, thank you so much. I hope people um, are swayed by by hearing you talk about Bill Hader. I know you have a lot of passion for him, and yeah, thank you so much for joining me. You bet. All right. What a conversation there between Kirsten Turnbull and Thomas Senna. If you were not considering voting for Bill Hader before, I get the impression that uh, you've probably changed your mind. Uh, Hader, solid, solid gold performer and would truly uh, enhance the Hall of Fame were he to be added to it. Kirsten has also sent along a sketch that she feels represents, you know, what Bill Hader is capable of at his highest level. And we're going to give that a listen to right now. It's uh, a Stefan Christmas. So let's give that a spin right now. Take it away, Seth. It's Christmas time in New York, which means millions will be heading to the city to celebrate. Here with some tips on what New York can offer is our city correspondent, Stefan. Hi. Stefan, how have you been? The same. Okay. So, Stefan, lots of people are heading here for a great New York Christmas. Do you have any tips on what they can see and do? Yes. If you're here from Ohio or whatever, look no further. New York's hottest club is Ounce. Located in the middle of the East River, this place has everything. Cholos, puke people, a sheepdog that looks like Bruce Valanche. An entire room of puppets doing karate. I'm sorry, and, uh, and why are puppets doing karate? Because it's that thing of when someone calls Miss Piggy fat and she goes, Hi-ya! <laughs> um, and Stefan, when I said, uh, you know, fun things for the holiday, yes. I meant uh, things that were a little more normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you think of any things mm-hmm. that might be a little more sort of like mm-hmm. classic New York holiday? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> if you want your Christmas in New York to be classic, look no further. New York's hottest club is <laughs> This lower, lower east side dump is the creation of club owner Tranderson Cooper. <laughs> and it finally answers the question, do I have to? <laughs> This place has everything. Schizos, kite, kite enthusiasts. And that's not all. Look who just came in. It's Blingo. Sorry, Blingo? Black Ringo. Oh. <laughs> Stefan, buddy. Um, I don't know how to say this, but look, mm-hmm. I was brought up to respect people from all walks of life. Tolerance. Yeah. And I am glad that you have a world you feel comfortable in. Dungeon culture, yes, yes. But, but look, buddy, you know, I'm kind of an old-fashioned guy, you know, mm. born and raised in New Hampshire. A glimpse into Seth Meyers. Okay. And uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to, yeah, okay. And I just wanted to help folks, you know? Folks. Yeah, mm-hmm. folks. You know, and I want them mm-hmm. to find some good old-fashioned Christmas cheer. Mm, yes. <laughs> no, Stefan, can you help us with that? Yes, 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 okay. yes. Okay. If you're old or into fashion, I've got the place for you. New York's hottest holiday club is Blitzen. And right now, they're having their 12 days of Christmas dance party. 
Oh, 12 Days of Christmas. Now, see, that sounds nice. Because it has everything. 12 Jack Delbinos, 11 Little Richards, 10 Piercer Babies, 9 Asian Balkies, 8 Gay Aladdins, 7 Psycho Swearing, 6 Porta Screechins. Puerto Rican Screeches. Of course. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. We all knew that. We all knew that. Five homeless Elmos. <laughs> Four cooked up frogs, three French hens, Taylor Negron. <laughs> and a human parking car. So, lay it on me, my man. What's your question? Uh, all right. <laughs> The question was, what's a, a human parking cone? Yes, it's that thing of when two jacked midgets <laughs> paint themselves orange and you have to parallel park between them. <laughs> It's that thing. Yes. That's the thing. thing it is. Stefan. I've done it. I'm going to ask you a serious question. Stefan, don't you ever just want to have a normal Christmas? Well, I would, but no one ever invites Stefan to normal Christmas. No. Oh. Well, look, Stefan, would you like to come to New Hampshire with me? He asked me. Stefan, everybody. I'm on top. No, there's no top. I'm on top. <laughs> My good friend, Stefan. All right, that was Stefan's Christmas or Stefan Christmas. Uh, I'm not sure what the actual desk piece title was, but we'll call it Stefan's Christmas. Uh, really a nice piece uh, illustrating exactly what Hayter and, and Mulaney, for that matter, uh, can get up to with the Stefan sketches. Uh, you know, we're building on the meta, the meta ness here with uh, Seth and and Stefan, you know, um, the relationship is moving in this. So, you know, all, all in all, just a, a real great piece. And we hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you enjoyed the entire episode today. For Thomas, Matt, Kirsten, and everybody else involved in the production of this show, we'll talk to you next week. But for now, turn out the lights because the SNL Hall of Fame is closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Podcasts and such.